Do you ever lift your head up from your phone, look around, and think to yourself, my God, everything is weird. Well, we do a lot. This is the Observation Station, a unique, entertaining, and hilarious podcast. If we observe it, we talk about it. Anything and everything. Anything and everything. Let's get weird and let's have some fun. This is the Observation Station. And now your host, Tommy Heights. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to a, another grand episode of the Observation Station. So, wanted to just uh, bring you guys back here to give you a very uh, different episode. This is going to be me a little bit more candid because I've never talked about this publicly in such a just a transparent fashion, and I just wanted to to make it where it's a, might be a little bit off topic because there's a lot to unpack in this episode here. So, um, with that being said, just wanted to recap the the last episode was speaking multiple languages, and it kind of goes in turn with this uh, episode of being on the spectrum because autism has its own language in itself. So. Uh, just uh, wanted to enter here, just going over being on the spectrum itself, what that actually means to put it into plain English for uh, so-called neurotypicals, which are the people that are not on the spectrum, basically are neurotypicals. So one of the things that I wanted to bring up here is the misconception with being on the spectrum is saying like you're... Uh, movie of Rain Man or something like that. Like, you you know all these numbers, you're going crazy. You know, there's so many different stories about what people put in their head to describe you as. That is not really what it is for every person because being on the spectrum, hence a spectrum, is a wide array of things. So every person has their own individual experience with autism. I have high-functioning autism. Uh, when I was tested, they said that I was extremely high-functioning based on other people that were tested, so that was... Uh, it's not neither good or bad, it's just according to the data. So, particularly what you would know, my uh, condition, whatever you want to say it is, is called Asperger syndrome. So, Really, what that is in the books is saying that it takes out a lot of your social cues that you have to say, like to kind of uh, change your facial expressions, to change the tone of your voice when you're talking so you're not monotone the whole time, which I've had to work on, especially for a podcast. If you're just going to be talking here like this the whole time, it's not going to be interesting. You have to have some inflection in your voice so that shows you have a depth of talking. So just saying that that is what it sounds like. So you have to have a high and a low, an ebb and a flow, so that you can have a conversation that will keep somebody's attention. In that case, a lot of speech class I I was taking when I was younger to say, look, this is how 
you do a, a full-on sentence. Now, I'll explain to you this. I have the habit of over-talking a lot in life. So what the reasoning is behind that when I started to research Asperger's more and the, the reason that we are wired differently is basically, like, like I was saying before, it's all about the social, social cues. So if you're not looking somebody in the eye, you're looking at the floor when you're talking to them, you know, you got to have it where you're looking them in the eye, you're making sure that you're fully paying attention to what they're telling you, and just making sure that you're not talking the whole time. And like I was saying, the reason that a lot of Ospies talk a lot is because that they can control the conversation if they're talking because if they let somebody else take over the conversation they've lost control because a lot of the social cues books will go over this is how you should generally act this is how it's socially acceptable so say it's socially acceptable in the books but the way that you do it doesn't have the right emotions conveyed where it's like or like rude, or instead of where it says, I'll give you an example. If you're supposed to say thank you, you just they someone does something and it's not I, I'm higher functioning, obviously, you know, I've I I understand how social etiquette is, but I'm saying we'll say somebody that just is very socially unaware, I'll give you an example. So they were told to say thank you. Just you're just saying the phrase thank you. So if this person that is an OSPI has something nicely done for them and they're like, and, you know, somebody reminds, hey, say thank you. And you just go, thank you. And it's just like, what the, what the heck is going on? He's looking at it as a function, like brushing your teeth. Like that's the noise you need to make. Oh, thank you. It doesn't matter. You're not, you're not there looking them in the eye and say, oh, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. It's not uh, a thing that they're trying to be rude. It's just all that they understand that that is what needs to be socially acceptable. They're actually trying because in their eyes, they're progressing because uh, I'm doing what I was told to do is saying thank you. And they might say it with a monotone voice plus a stone cold face, but they're thinking I'm doing what I'm supposed to do is like a instruction manual. The weird thing about life is it doesn't have an instruction manual. It doesn't have uh, a way that you need to speak to one person that's going to carry over to another person, even if it's you know the same kind of personality. They have two separate lives altogether. So it's not something that you're going to say, okay, these people are in these kinds of molds, and they're going to act the same exact way if I say this thing to them, which is the difficult thing for someone who is an OSPI. And that's why they're not very social, you know, as they get older, it's because they get made fun of, they get teased. Because when they're trying to learn how to properly socialize, when they take that kind of step to go out and talk to somebody, they might be very awkward because they're not used to talking to people. So it's just like you being a baby trying to walk. You're going to be stumbling and, and falling and no one's making fun of a baby when it's trying to walk. But when you're seeing somebody who's an OSPI is trying to, to talk to a group of people where there's a lot of stimulus going on, there might be music blast and people laughing extremely loud, cackling, someone yelling on the phone, 
horns behind them. There's a lot of stimulus going on. They're nervous because usually they're at home in a bubble that they could uh, make their own just secluded, quiet space. Now they're out in the social bubble because just like any human, they want to have social interaction, so they're taking the leap. That's how much uh, an Ospie would want to try to take the leap is that all that social uh, pressures on there, the stimulus is there. Basically, it's the most uncomfortable situation to a person on the spectrum. It is the most uncomfortable. That's how much somebody's in that condition is wanting to put themselves out there to to get you know some kind of interaction with people. It's basically like saying, yeah, I, I'm going to go out in the burning hot desert without any sunscreen, and I'm going to hope for the best. That's almost how it is to be an Ospie going in a social situation for you know, in public areas, because you're not going to have a lot of people be very understanding because you don't look like you're different on the surface aesthetically that you're, you don't, you don't have down syndrome. You don't have anything where you're completely out of it, where you're discounted as having it, where you can have a conversation, you can have a conversation. So it's like you're normal enough for the public to see you as having it where you don't have a disability, you might be weird. That weird's thrown around left, right, center to you know even neurotypical people if you tested them. But it's difficult because people count you in as a normal person and you're so socially awkward, which are just things that are inherently known for the neurotypical crowd, that it's just like, what the hell is wrong with this weird dude coming here? He's not saying anything, or whenever he says something, it's just very short, like, yep, 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 uh, yeah, and you're not trying to be rude, it's, it's just you don't know what to say, you're freezing up, it's almost like being in a public uh, stage where you're on the stage and you're the only one talking in front of a huge crowd, even if it's only seven people that are in a circle, you're sitting there, and you're like, oh my god, am I making the right facial gestures, am I being too stiff, here, let me move my arms around a little bit to say that I'm like listening to them. Should I smile? It's almost like saying you're driving a manual car in your head for social functions because you're trying to put it into second gear. Okay, smile. Third gear. Oh, make an inflection in your voice. That sounds pretty good. Instead of, yep, that sounds pretty good. That sounds pretty good. It can sound two different ways the way you say it, just like a small phrase like that in, in passing. So you have to learn small things like that, which are exhausting, and you and you don't have to tell other people exhausting because they don't care because it's not their life. But I'm saying as a person that's giving you the full perspective of what is inside the mind of somebody like myself on the spectrum. So it is like driving a manual car. You're having to put it in. First gear is just talking. Second gear is emotion. Third gear, inflection. So all these things, you're, you're trying to make sure that you're not going to miss a gear because you got to keep that the ball rolling with the conversation. And if you have it where it's like, they go, what? And you're like, oh, God, I just stalled. And you got to get it back into gear. So that's kind of the best visual observation I can give you about how it is to have conversations daily. No matter how much you learn, there's a different personality with each human you talk to. So... That's the kind of thing is like you're shaking the dice 
because you don't know their personality and how to act properly because you're just trying to have it where you're throwing whatever your generally accepted behavior is and just seeing if that'll work for them. And sometimes it's like, oh my God, I'm literally trying to be nice. And they're like, who are you? you?" Okay. And then you just got to learn, keep moving, you know. But the pros about it, there's, there's some pros about it also, is that there's a lot of things that you can see that the general public doesn't see as uh, obvious. So I look at things very logically, where if somebody has it a lot of times where there's emotion, which a lot of times I can just have it where it's like the emotion is just so out of it, I'm not even thinking of emotion things. Where someone is just giving me data, I'm computing it in my head because it's just like saying if you're typing it into Microsoft Word, Microsoft Word could care less what the hell you're typing into the body of of Microsoft Word. You're you're just putting in a function and it's spitting you an outcome. So that's what it is. Is like that's that's what my head is. Is basically just a computer of just taking in information. That you're telling me this is the problem, and then I want to have it before I go through the whole reasoning and all the body of it, I want to know your outcome so that I can hear the story and say, let me see where they are on the right track or if they're veering off based on my expertise. So that is the easiest way that I can I can help people is not having so much emotion because that is why a lot of people make terrible decisions in the stock market is they have a lot of emotion. Money makes people do that. So if if you have just pure logic with certain situations, it helps you out. Now, with the execution of things that I say is purely up to the individual themselves. It's just like a doctor. They can tell somebody, hey, you are eating way too much sodium. You're going to not be able to run uh, much longer uh, because you're too heavy. So if you keep eating like this, we can't be able to to do some basic exercises because your body's not going to be able to handle this. You need to stop immediately. And they don't stop. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's a whole thing about you. It's a different way of your wiring in the brain, though a lot of people don't understand it. And when you explain it to them again, because it said it's said in their mind that you're just making fun of actual autistic people. I've actually had that before where I was just coming to somebody to explain to them why I was uh, in the special education class. And I said, well, I'm actually uh, uh, need uh, special education because I have Asperger syndrome. And they go, dude, you don't need to be making fun of people that actually have conditions. That's rude. I'm thinking to myself, what? And 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 you're trying to be like, is he trolling me? Is this a joke? Because I'm just like holding back and thinking, is this a joke or is this real? I said, no, actually, that's why I'm in there. He goes, all right, man. I mean, you know, whatever you say, bro. I was thinking. I'm having to defend something that is just myself. It's like <laughs> I don't I don't understand that part of it, but I have a lot of good company that has Asperger syndrome. I mean, uh, if you guys had seen when Elon Musk was going on Saturday Night Live, he had come on the stage and says, "I'm uh, one of the few people that are hosting Saturday Night Live that has Asperger's or at least admitted it." Because that's the thing that 
you don't want to always just tell people because it's something that is deciphered by different people in different manners. And you just want to come across as, as you're being as genuine as possible, explaining the pros and cons and how things are seen differently in your eyes than a neurotypical. I mean, Elon Musk has, uh, like I said, Asperger's. I mean, Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, a lot of people in tech like Steve Jobs. And look, it's it's not that I'm I'm telling you, hey, look, these are the, the best people in the world. That's why I'm right. You're wrong. I'm just saying that there is just needed to be an understanding around what Asperger's is to the general public, because I'm going to give it in the most candid and transparent form of what it is. People need to know. It's something that I do not want to ever lose because I would lose my personality. The stuff that I have that's quirky about me is like having it where, you know, you see a car, it squeaks a little bit and makes that, you know, pop and sound. But at the end of the day, it's an 80s Porsche. You, you know, you put some uh, whatever it is onto the tires and stuff like that, then the thing runs down the track and you're like, okay, this is perfect. So all all it is that somebody that a neurotypical doesn't see of a OSPI is that I basically have to read and understand while adding the specific emotion to whatever I'm I'm trying to convey to another person. Because if I have it where it's like very stone cold, it's like, uh, and it'll be like this, something like, hey, where would you like to go to eat? Uh, well, I mean, are you okay, Tommy? No, I'm fine. I mean, are you fine? It's like, hey, what's going on here? Instead of like, hey, man, uh, hey, where do you want to go to eat? So sometimes it depends just who the person is. It's just the way that I I would convey the same message. But it's all how somebody looks at what the the outcome of what you're trying to tell them is. So, but, you know, on that note, I really wanted to uh, say thank you guys for just hearing out the most pretty much easy to understand way of me explaining what Asperger's is, how it is affected, or how it affects other people's lives too, just to give you guys a perspective of this is how we communicate and we're trying our best to do uh, what would be generally accepted. And if we make a couple of mistakes, just tell us on the side there. There's no need to be, you know, going at us very bluntly and just scolding us because that's just really not needed. As, as long as you can just pull us to the side and say, hey, look, that's not not good. That's oh, OK. So then I know next time don't do that. It's just that's all I need. You don't need to make it a scene in front of a lots of people. So if any of you guys have uh, sons or daughters that are on the spectrum, just a little bit of food for thought of really that's all that we would need is just some understanding and patience. So the next episode is going to be going to the gym. So it's going to be going over the benefits of why I go to the gym and why everybody should be going to the gym. Really, no excuses. I mean, let's get real here. We, we, we got time. We have the money to do this. Let's get out there. Let's get our reps in. So with that being said, you guys have a wonderful weekend. All right. Talk to you guys later then. 
You've been listening to the Observation Station. We find everyday life and everyday situations hilarious. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And be sure to tell a friend about the show. That would help too. See you next time on the Observation Station.